What's up, everybody? Mojax Boys coming back at you today with another special guest. The one, the only voice of the Mountaineers. The best in the business, we think. Yeah. Right? I think a lot of we're, people think that. We're biased. Yeah, but everybody <laughs> thinks that. We have the one and only Tony Caridi joining us. How are you doing today, Tony? I'm wonderful, guys. How are you doing? We are really, really good. Slow yeah. news day, right? Yeah. I mean, there's, <laughs> there's nothing going on in the yeah. sports world at all. Uh, yeah, we're 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 actually doing very well. We had a blast covering and, and just hanging out at the TBT, yeah. and uh, I mean that's just a unique experience. I think so. I mean, uh, we saw you there. Obviously, talked to you. What do you think about all that? That was pretty unique for Charleston too. Thoroughly enjoyed it. I thought it was um, better um, than I had anticipated. Two years ago, when they played, I didn't get the opportunity to go to VCU. Watched it, and I got really interested in it then and then to see it in person um i was really really excited uh just the whole deal i thought that firstly from a organization perspective the folks at the charleston coliseum did a really super good job i thought it was really well done tbt people are extremely well organized uh the teams did not disappoint in my opinion guys play really really hard and then to have both the uh, west virginia and the marshall entries there brought us the kind of crowd that we had hoped about and hoped for. And then, you know, those teams played compelling games. So, you know, all in all, I thought it was really good. Yeah, I think you made a great point because we're already looking forward to next year because I think we got a great shot at getting that back, just the crowds. We keep – we're looking now – and you look at some of these gyms, and, yeah, they've got some people, but we – you know, it looks weird. That, I still call it the Civic Center, but it looks weird because – it's so much bigger. The one in Columbus is a, I don't know where they're playing, but it is a, it's a small arena. Very it's, small. It is not very big at all. Yeah, very small. But uh, John uh, Flowers was, he was getting a little stressed out. We talked to him a couple <laughs> days leading up to it, and he said it was more work this time around. Uh, unfortunately, though, I think they're going to have to go to work and sit down because if they truly, got the guys that are supposed to be there and all that stuff. They can make a very deep run. They could have, they could have this year, but it didn't seem to gel that well. I don't know. Tony, did you think they had a little, they were off a little bit? Well, yeah, I do. I think that a couple of different reasons and, you know, obviously no one gets to play a whole ton of games to get in a real rhythm and credit to our guys for playing a couple of exhibition games. But, the more I look at it, you have to have knockdown shooters to be successful. And I think that they learned that the first year that they competed in it, that it's, you know, it's very little to do really with the five-man game and powering people up. You really have to have a bunch of shooters. And I think that's one thing. I think some of the guys, uh, I think a few of the guys were rusty. And some guys just didn't particularly, you know, um, jump off the chart. And so uh, I'd be interested to see. And even with all that said, they're up eight in the fourth quarter to win the thing. Right. So, uh, so I will be really interested to see what kind of moves they make personnel-wise. Do they continue to bring in some guys that didn't necessarily play at West Virginia? I thought Jamel Moore was a really good addition. Yeah. So, you know, there's guys out there. Do you go ahead and, and do that? So we asked uh, Hugs last week about the Edelman ending. I'm a fan. He said, but what about the double or triple overtime games? But I I would like to see it in a in a normal basketball game. Just so what's your thought 
on the Edelm ending. Well, I told you in Charleston, I yeah. said, I'm sure Hugs, I'm sure Hugs has got some <laughs> contrarian thought against the thing that everyone loves just because that's how he rolls. And so he told you, okay, what about double and triple overtime? So I went, okay, fine. So since we talked, I looked back, I went, how many doubles and triples has he been involved in? And he has played seven double or triple overtime games in 13 years at West Virginia. Okay. <laughs> yeah. And so my point to that is I would sell him. Okay, cool. Double and triple overtimes are really exciting. However, hugs, when you like to have that every single game, because in essence, that's what the game produces and it produces drama every single time. And so that's why I think that people really have taken a liking to it. And I have found very, very few people that say that they don't like it. Once they start to look at it, see it, and experience it, I think people are intrigued. I agree. I think if you try to explain it, it seems like it's a little complicated. But if you watch a game with it, it's it's not at all. And you're right. Every one of these games, I mean, I think was was it last night? The, the usually the other team they always say well the team that's leading always wins that's actually not the case and last night I think a team was down big yeah and came actually, back and won and actually came back and so the drama there it's always there I don't know that we'll see it you know mainstream but uh, something like this it's it's I think it brings a very very unique uh, kind of view or or in, obviously ending but uh, all right Tony well we wanted to ask you and this is I, I you know. When I when I go to court, they I'm never supposed to ask a question I don't don't know the answer to, and I don't know the answer to this question. What was the first time? Where was when was the first time you used the phrase? It's a great night to be a mountaineer. That was the Louisville triple overtime football game. Mm, okay, yeah. okay. That West Virginia came back and won. Hey Tony, ask Justin if he was there. Oh geez, because he was. Justin, he, wait a second. Whoa, whoa, whoa! I, I hear where this is going. Wait a second, Johnny Mountaineer, you you walked out of the stadium. No, he no, didn't. Even worse. worse. No, it was worse. Well, I don't know if it was worse. But it was worse. <laughs> one of my best friends decided to get married on that day. And uh, so, you know, we're back there. He's going through whatever you do before a wedding. And, and you, obviously, we've got the game on, and we're, we, we don't look good. <laughs> and so about halfway through the actual ceremony, we're getting little updates. Hey, now. Hey, wait a minute now. <laughs> hey, hey, now. Yeah. And then the receptions when it kind of came alive, but yeah, I wasn't there. <laughs> now uh, listen, it's like the only home yeah. game I missed in a long, long time too. I'm not one of the hundred thousand people that will claim to be there and didn't leave. I was actually in the because everybody says, "Oh, I didn't leave," but I honestly didn't leave. I stayed for the entire thing. I know everybody says that, but my gosh, everybody. Oh, it was empty. <laughs> it was empty. Yeah, that was a, yeah. It was a weird one. It, well, when uh, it, it looked like a, uh, it looked like pandemic seating uh, <laughs> by the time the second half had started you know socially distant seating that we grew that we grew to know this past season that's what it looked like in there at the start of the uh, at the second half but I, I must admit that I was so bummed out over the first half performance knowing that okay we're done no, no shot here today that I had not one but two pork barbecue sandwiches up in the press box at halftime. And, I mean, them bad boys, they just sat in my throat for – I mean, it probably wasn't until – I'm lucky I was able to get out. It's a great night to be a Mountaineer because I was just like, oh, I'm dying here, yeah. man. So that was that was my uh, that was my memory uh, besides uh, one of the more 
historic games in school history. Absolutely. Well, we'll jump right into football. It's it's creeping very close. And what is it? Forty days, something like that. Forty, I think today. Yeah, I saw this weekend. It was it was fifty. It was fifty this weekend. So we're probably inside yeah. the forty. Inside now, the forty. Yeah. So with with fans, it's hopefully. Well, we'll just say with fans. Yeah. Um, but we just want to ask you because you know obviously we we're kind of nerds and we follow the recruiting and all that stuff. And I know the recruiting gets a little weird with the stars and the rankings and all that. And of course, you know, when we came through years and years ago, like they, I think Pac-Man, they said that was the first year of the internet rankings and had him a two star. Nobody knew who he was, but just looking at it now. So you throw that all out the window. I mean, what else can you say? Neil Brown is just absolutely killing it. Just pulling in, I mean, we get a three-star these days, and it's like, yeah, call me one of the four-stars <laughs> because that's what we're getting, like, every day. So what are your thoughts on him just out there just absolutely murdering the recruiting trail right now? I'm not surprised. I'm really not because since the first time I had the chance to meet him, I've been really, you know, taken by his sense of organization and his – uh, just complete 360 on every angle of every aspect of the program. I think that he's now enjoying the fruit of planting those seeds that was suspended because of the pandemic. I don't think that, you know, recruiting wise and on the field, uh, we got to see what really year two would have been. And I think we all understand that. And so I think, you know, they now have found their balance. They have gotten all that forward motion um, that you don't have when you take a program over because you inherit the last coach's class. And so I'm not surprised. I'm really happy with it. And um, now, you know, comes the part of the player development, which is uh, absolutely essential that you have to do at West Virginia at an extremely high level, perhaps even more so than at other schools who get some more talented, quote-unquote, talented kids. We do player development here. And so a combination of you starting with a better product and then the way that they've got the program built to develop the talent, um, you know, it bodes well um, for what, what he's going to do here. It seems like we've had a lot of these either recruits or commits on our show. And it's almost every time, Brent, they say the first, almost the first thing out of their mouth is felt like family. Yeah. It felt like home, felt like family, just, just talking to the coaches immediately. And they just, that, and that's why they commit. That's why they're, the story they're, they're giving us. So. We had one guy talk about, um, I think it was Big Mo that had committed about the food waiting on him in the hotel room. <laughs> <laughs> that, that, that was the good first impression. And then you got the dinner set up on the uh, football field, uh, taking them on Cheat Lake and just things like that, just the attention to mm-hmm. details to give them the best experience that they can have in Morgantown. is just, it's kind of unreal what he's doing, and we just like to see it. Yeah, and I think that, I mean, like anything, it's, it's football but at the same time it's also human nature and I think that if you can convince anyone um, that you're sincerely uh, care about them that you really truly do care I think we all have our filters on and when we do get that sense that there is a general care for not only um, the recruit but whomever the recruit brings with them uh, parents or grandparents or aunts or uncles whoever comes on that visit um, that that's, you know, if you can make their heart move, then you can get, you know, you can get great relationships going. And often that's the most important thing. And so, uh, I think these guys know that they know what the recipe is. And I think Neil, I mean, when you talk to Neil's assistant coaches, 
there is just a general theme or consistency that you hear from those guys. I mean, each and every one of them, there's a theme and consistency. So to me, uh, that's quite apparent that when he does, you know, hire assistant coaches, that he absolutely has um, thoughts as to what he wants and what they have to have as far as their philosophy. And I just think that the, the success that they're having in recruiting now is the result of that culture and theme that he has impressed upon them and that they agree with. Yeah. I mean, ex- excellent point. I, I just think obviously you got to, you got to give him a little bit of leeway with COVID year and things like that, but and we're not, we, we don't jump on a podcast and necessarily badmouth people, but I think his predecessor, it, it just seems like he didn't put as much effort into it. And that's, <laughs> I guess that's a PC way to say it. Yeah. Um, as as Neil Brown does, and Neil does such a good job of being on top of it. I mean, he had that fifth quarter program set up a year in advance of of the NIL ruling and the peak program and, and everything the peak like program, that. Yeah, yeah. Um, I mean, just he just seems so organized. He, I think you're right though, Tony. Every, all that is is in place. Got to develop them though on the on the football field, obviously, and that's yeah. that's always yeah. been the case at W. And obviously, we got a good guy to do that. I mean, Mike Joseph has been here for is this his third coaching? He was here for Stu. Yeah, yeah, Stu, yep. Dana, yep. and now Neil. So, <laughs> yep. No, absolutely, yeah, absolutely. Mike's uh, Mike is extremely well respected, and I think a lot of people may be surprised, but I mean, you know, his title. Not only is you know he assistant AD or whatever, I mean he is the head football coach of conditioning, and I think that people would be surprised that really the strength guys, Mike and his guys, they actually have more touch access and responsibility with the players than the coaches do, because of the way that the rules are written. You have a very limited amount of time that you can spend with the players as coaches, but strength and conditioning can be nonstop. And pretty much it is. And so you're right. Now, if you don't have the right guy down there, uh, you could get yourself into some real problems. And Mike and those guys have done it very successfully for years. And, um, you know, he he is, he's just, he's a piece of uh, probably under, undervalued in the eyes of fans. They just don't quite understand, not to their fault, but you just don't realize the amount of time um, and the programs that are, are ongoing. I mean, that thing's almost like sheets, guys. I mean, it's about 24-7 down there. Uh, you know, at like 5 in the morning, um, at any time of the year, the, the lights are on and they're bringing guys in and you're doing your stuff. And so uh, it's, it's absolutely huge. And then down the road, the success of your conditioning oftentimes will also, you know, march on with the number of injuries that you receive. And it's essential that you get the proper body build so that you can, you know, um, try to at least minimize the amount of injury that you're going to have. Absolutely. And and he's always so well liked. I don't even see guys that transfer out always saying thank you to Mike Joseph. It, yeah. it, it seems like he's just universally liked um, by, by the players and staff and, and all that. So, well, let's jump into it, Tony. Um, like I said, off air. We, we just assume you have all the answers <laughs> with this conference realignment. But, uh, I, I mean, it's 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 actually hilarious because everybody's an expert on Twitter now oh and, and given their take. And we've, we're, I mean, we're a fan podcast. We don't pretend to be experts. We don't break news, nothing like that. We, we just do it for fun. 
And my 30-second take is I think we're in a much better position should we get, you know, look at the ACC. But maybe maybe I'm jumping the gun there. So, Tony, feel free to go on a narrative here. So, I, I, we want to hear your thoughts. I think everybody wants to hear your thoughts on it. Well, as time goes on from the bombshell that hit last week, the more and more disappointed that I have become in the whole world that we're living in now, as far as college football goes and college sports for that matter. I think that my, I've got a bunch of different thoughts running around. I don't think at the end as this shakes out and I don't know how it will look and what it will look like. And I certainly don't know where WV will end, but I think this will become a negative Um, college sports will be hurt by this if in fact you continue to limit and exclude um, schools from having the opportunity. And that's where we're setting ourselves up for now. You know, again, not knowing exactly how this is all going to play out, but if there aren't spots at the big boy table for the West Virginia's, the Iowa States, the Kansas States, the Oklahoma States, the Baylor's and the TCU's, there's something seriously wrong with college football as we know it the fundamental issue is always the money and every single every single thing that's happening right now is based upon money and you know administrators used to be able to smoke and mirror this thing and talk about academic fit and that's an absolute joke (laughs) and it stopped it stopped being about that a long time ago and they may have many moons ago started to to say, well, this school doesn't fit academically, but the dollars have changed all that. And really, this is um, nearly 40 years in the making because in 1984, the you know the, the figurative floodgate opened when the Supreme Court ruled in favor of the University of Oklahoma in its desire to have control of its television rights. That opened the door for colleges to cut their and conferences to cut their own TV deals, and the networks started to fund at a level that we hadn't seen before, and that has just grown. And so this that was the first major opening, and as soon as the money started going, it got crazy. I mean, consider this. Don Nealon was coaching West Virginia up until 2001. It's 2021 now, right? 20 years have passed. Don Nealon made $250,000 in his last season at WVU <laughs> and coached for over 20 years at West Virginia. He made 250. Okay. So now we've got we've got like if you say to an assistant's making 250, like people would laugh at 250. <laughs> and we've got $250,000 bonuses that are being paid now. And I don't need to tell you guys that we've got multi-million dollar coaches. So how did that all happen? It was the TV networks opening it up. But like anything else in life, when someone giveth the dollar, they also want more from you. And so money is also, you know, it's a drug. And the more you, as soon as you get your taste, the more you want. And that's what we're seeing right now. We're seeing just this gluttony of these schools um, diving for the dollars, and they can't help themselves. 
they're not realizing that the damage or caring the damage that they're doing to the fabric and the culture of the game of college football and why it was and why it is people love it. And so now we're just narrowing this thing down to a small select group and it will, in the long run, uh, it will uh, pull a lot of people away from it. I truly do believe that because the biggest problem is there's no one entity, commissioner, person, organization. It's it's freelance out there, man, and everyone is everyone is cutting their own deal. And if you have no cohesion or synergy as an institution or as a as a group, then the thing just breaks up in pieces. And that's what we're seeing now. That's why the Big Twelve just got picked apart, and the feeding frenzy will continue. So, super long answer to your short question, but I'm um, you know disappointed of where we are with. That said, I do think we're in a much better position from a leadership standpoint this time around than we were the last time this happened at WVU. Um, I can't think of you know many more or anyone else that I would rather have than you know Shane and Gordon Gee and Senator Manchin. Uh, I think that they're all going to do anything and everything that they can um, to try to you know put WVU in the best position possible and you know right there i'm going back and saying put west virginia in the best position possible i'm not saying you know uh, whatever we can do to salvage the big 12 or anything like that because um in this dog eat dog deal that we're in we got to take care of us and so i feel good but again i've got no inclination whatsoever how it's going to end because we're waiting now for the next move and I use this analogy, the, you know, last night I did a thing down speaking to some people and I said, it's whack. We're playing whack-a-mole and we don't know where the next mole is going to, what hole the next mole is going to pop out of. So you don't know where to whack yet. Um, and so we have to wait. And then when that happens, that will lead to the next move, to the next move, to the next move. And as uh, you know, you're just hoping that you've got a, a chair to sit in when the music stops. Yeah, and you, you touched on this earlier about how this is no longer – this has nothing to do with academics anymore. This is athletic and a money decision. And just from my perspective, I kind of think about, you know, when March Madness rolls around, they do the blind resumes. If you look at where West Virginia is athletically across all programs, you're talking women's soccer, baseball, the new facility upgrades, and if you just did a blind resume and you showed the ACC or whoever – there is no way historically, athletically, we can be left out. I mean, just, but I'm still jaded from 10 years ago when we were left out. So I'm yeah. just like, oh man, this is terrible. Well, you're right. And as, as I said earlier, you know, there's something really wrong when you can't find places for the schools that I mentioned, and, you know, especially West Virginia. I mean, West Virginia is going to potentially could get punished because it's a state of 1.8 million people. And what people discount is, and I make this case all the time, show me another, show me another college program in a state with 1.8 million people that's had the success of West Virginia. You can't find one. There isn't one. I mean, smaller, I mean, other states, they don't even try to play at this level. 
West Virginia is a top 25 team all time in wins in football and in basketball. We know about the fan base. We know about the competitive nature. We know that WVU has not been in any major NCAA infractions. But unfortunately, all of those checks that they have going their way are seemingly discounted because of the state's population and the fact that it does what? Well, it doesn't move the needle for the television markets. And so there's something fundamentally wrong when that is the report card on you because you do and did everything else. And that's what's upsetting. Now, don't get me wrong. I, I, I'm str- I strongly believe West Virginia will come out of this and we will have a seat some way, somehow. Um, I do believe that. But at the same time, the potential that you could get left out or have to be get in, get in, um, in an association with others that you don't, that doesn't work and doesn't make sense. That's what, that's, what's not good. Yeah. It's, it's going to be interesting to see how this all plays out. It's, uh, you know, every other year, it seems like someone says we're moving toward that, those super conferences. And I think, and now you have to you have to admit we probably are right the the four or five super conferences do you do you hear anything about that or do you know much about that tony well i mean the you know the, the yeah the thought has always been that you're going to end up with four 16s right and i saw a thing today someone someone had put one together and it was and it was like perfectly symmetrical like here's the here are the four conferences and here are the teams in the four conferences and you can break it down into the divisions and this is what divisions I look you look at it and you go that makes an incredible amount of sense right, right. there Absolutely. and that's exactly why it won't happen because <laughs> you, you look at it and you go like that's freaking perfect and you go like that's why it won't happen yeah. and you know this this new deal like just makes me even shake my head farther and that is like well we're going to do a 32 team nfl type thing and i'm thinking to myself seriously <laughs> is that is that really is that what was that really what uh, what we're going to do and the answer is no you know I, at this point i do hope that um and, and this is <laughs> so we're at this like tumultuous time in our nation's history politically and what we're trying to get done and the infrastructure and the whole thing but like we need we need congress to jump in here and go like you know just wait just stop don't even think about it you know because all of these multi-million dollar deals and think about this the sec deal potentially could be close to a billion a year if they're going to do 60 million times 16 that's 960 million so how do you get these guys to stop how do you get them just like you better you better knock it off? Does Congress say, okay, you're not paying taxes right now on this income? We're gonna pay taxes? Or is that what we're gonna do? Or those dollars from the Pell Grant that your student athletes are receiving that are just huge opportunities for those kids and they deserve it? Tell you what we're gonna do. Since you've got them on athletic scholarship, you pick up those dollars that they should receive in a Pell Grant. Let's see now how everyone wants to kind of run off and make their own little fiefdoms. Um, I think it needs to be something dramatic um, to stop it because this is not good. Yeah, and you you said about the 32 teams and how I've I've seen that too. But my thing is I know they're going to expand the playoff 
but the ratings for the playoff has consistently went down because everybody's tired of watching Alabama, Clemson, Ohio State, and one other team every year. I mean, the playoff ratings are stagnant. Sure. And as sports fans, as sports fans, I mean, the entire beauty of the game is what? Is the underdog. We, in life, we love the underdog story. We love the underdog. And there's no question that people have become fatigued by the schools that have been in it. I get that. I get that aspect of it. And just having a shot. You know, you go back and take a look at the um, Super League that they tried to form in soccer. And those fans and even the players came out because basically that's what that was doing. It was forming like this super elite league of teams. And even the, even the fans and the players of the teams that were involved said, wait a second, we're blowing this whole thing up. The beauty of what we do is opportunity and chance. And so unfortunately we are not experiencing as of this moment, that outcry because the most passionate of the fans are in that group in the SEC pool. You know, if you were to do, if someone was to do this and it didn't include the Alabamas and the Tennessees and the other schools, you guarantee yourself they would be screaming at the top of their lungs. But right now, since they're in, we don't have that, that outcry from, at this moment, those that are outside left behind. Tony was bleeding into hobby territory there, wasn't he? Mm-hmm. Yeah. <laughs> Hoppy's up. What do you call it? The public broadcast thing? We're about to get the him. politicians? We're to get him. In. But I, I, mean, I think it's a great point. I mean, yeah. some, something has to be done. Yes. Because it just, it just can't happen every every couple years. Ten and years. I mean, it's just like, Tony, when, he, when you first started answering this, you, were up, you said you were upset. Brent and I just discussed it. We said, how crazy. I mean, for six, seven months, they have, you know, been behind closed doors, Texas and, and Oklahoma, with some secret dealings. And <laughs> you just think about that for a second. First of all, they supposedly hate each other. And then you get, they kind of collaborate and say, let's just, let's just keep us, keep it quiet. Yeah. And we'll see what's, what's going on. And then it finally leaks out. And just the, like you said, the bomb drops. And I, I mean, I do think, I think most Mountaineer fans, just normal fans are pretty confident uh, given, given, like Brent said, I mean, our facilities are, are, are up there now are, are, you know, we've got a great coaching staff. I mean, I, and I, I'm just talking football because unfortunately it's, that's really that's what, what drives this thing. But I think, uh, I think we're in a pretty good position and ultimately if we come out of this on the other end in the ACC our fans are going to be thrilled. Yeah, they will be. I mean, they will be. And let's face it. I mean, that's geographically where we belong. We've got no, there's no reason um, geographically to be where we have been in the Big 12 for the last nine years. However, with that said, I love absolutely everything else about the Big 12. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Absolutely everything else. Just the, the type of schools. I mean, there's just very, there's a great deal of commonality among the schools in the Big 12 conference. You know, as I've said many times, you know, Oak State fans and Iowa State fans and Kansas State fans and Kansas fans uh, and Tech fans, they're West Virginia. I mean, that's what they are. Similar type schools, similar type blue collar, you know, workers. You know, it pisses me off as well that, you know, West Virginia's academics are like an eyebrow is raised. And, you know, we have a mission. 
as an institution, as a state land grant institution, it's to educate the folks in our state. And if we have to apologize for doing that, then we got a big problem and we don't need to apologize for doing that. I mean, that's our mission. That's our service. That's our, that, that's what we do. That's what the university's done since its formation. And so to try to, you know, lessen uh, what WVU is and what it does, um, again, that's something that's just fundamentally wrong. Yeah. And if you're doing what you're supposed to do and that's what WVU does and has done, then you've got nothing to, to be embarrassed about or, or need to apologize for. Well, some of these institutions, they got to have their own rules, and then they they claim some people like us don't have the academics, but we'll, we'll, <laughs> we won't say much about that. But um, Well, Tony, we know you're a very busy man, and uh, we, we always end our show with rapid fire. We, at least we try to, and I think it would be fun to do that with you. So we are going to fire off some questions here. Are you ready to roll? Fire them. All right, we know you're a foodie, first of all. Now, you so, like to bake bread, correct? You like to cook everything, yeah. I think. Yeah, I do. Yep. And see, we're, Brent, like... Brent thinks he's he's 100% Irish. He thinks he's Italian, though. Yeah, I mean. That's all he eats. Yeah, that's all I eat. <laughs> <laughs> I'm with my red beard and everything. My, <laughs> I, I love Italian food. There's, that's all there's I eat. Some, there's, there's some red-haired Italians. Okay. That's true. Go, that's true. Yes. You can find some. Well, we do. So. When we take my RV to these away trips, and we've been just about just about everywhere, there's two. There's kind of two goals. I mean, obviously, we want to go to the ball game. The second part, though, we don't do anything but but seek out food restaurants, man versus food type places. So we gained about fifteen You're, pounds. I love yeah. it. Yeah, absolutely. I love so, it. That's good. That's good, man. So, do you have a favorite food? Can you narrow it down? Uh, I'll give you two. I like uh, I like linguine with clams, mm. and I like uh, veal asabuco. Okay, okay. All right. How about dessert? You pair pair dessert with that? I stopped eating sugar. Oh, wow. Okay. Well. Yeah, I just I just said I'm done. Not eating any sugar. <laughs> I should say, not eating any sugar in the sense that anything is processed sugar. So like I'll get sugar from fruit and anything that's natural. Yeah. But like I just said. Done. Not eating sugar. All right. All right. Well, let's jump to the screen. What's your favorite movie? Shawshank Redemption. Oh, so incredible. Yep. So incredible. All right. TV show? Well, that's hard because I don't I don't think I watch five television shows a year. <laughs> but I would say Seinfeld. Oh, yeah. Just watching it today. <laughs> You're not a naked, you're not a naked and afraid guy like Hugs, huh? No, my boy, he got a little bit of an issue going there. They yeah. say he, uh, the old boy, the old boy, I guess he gets into some binge watching there, and he don't, <laughs> he don't come out for days. No, he came, he he didn't hesitate no, when we asked him. I Absolutely. told him he needs to watch the show alone on the History Channel. They drop these people off in the Arctic, and they just have to survive by themselves, and like hunt everything themselves it's kind of crazy so yeah oh he'd like that yeah, yeah. he'll like that he'll I'm like a, that yeah. i'm a seinfeld i'm a seinfeld office friends type guy so oh yeah those are all classics absolutely absolutely well if tv show was difficult for you to pick this is this might be impossible but we had a lot of people text us and said and said please ask him what his favorite game was to call whether it be football or basketball or whatnot yeah that's so super people ask me that that's so super hard i mean 
I don't have, I mean, that's like saying, okay, which of your kids do you like better? <laughs> uh, here, here's the situation. Fortunately, we've had so many great, memorable wins um, over the years that to me, it would be hard, I'd be hard pressed, but I'll just kind of run through, you know, just some that popped to the top of my mind. Okay. So football wise, the sugar bowl will always be special. Mm-hmm. The Fiesta bowl, the Fiesta bowl victory over Oklahoma, just the amazingly clown like nature that the Clemson orange bowl <laughs> turned out to be. Right. I mean, it was just like the, one of the most bizarre ever, the Louisville game that we talked about. Um, you know, those are just off the top of my head, just unbelievably great, fun memories. Basketball wise, you know, because I used to go to the Big East tournament when I was in college to be able to win it was awesome. So the 2010 victory there, Mike Ganzi in the tournament against Villanova. Um, to beat the Wildcats at the foul line on that late foul call, the victory over Wake Forest, yeah. the, uh, the 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 run uh, that that Sauce beat. I mean Kentucky, that was just it will always go down off the chart when you take a look at the talent of that Kentucky team. Um, you know all of those are just super special games. Absolutely, the Madison Square Garden. I mean, to me, still, of all the sporting events I've been to, the biggest tournament was was absolutely number one for me. That actually was my 30th birthday. My wife sent me up there, and, of course, we ended up winning it. You know, you hear, we are the champions in Country Roads in Mass Square mm-hmm. Garden. And that's, I mean, just, it's still kind of surreal, even today, even talking about it, because, uh, you know, I told my wife, all right, I got back. I said, we, you know, see how we're, how far we advance. We go to the Final Four. We got to go to Indianapolis. <laughs> She said, my goodness, you just went to New York. I said, well, this is a once in a lifetime. I really hoped it. I hope, and I still hope it's not a once in a lifetime, <laughs> but uh, right. that final four, but, but I tell people the Big East tournament compared to that final four, the, the final four to me was so business-like for, for, you know, outside for the fans and things. The Big East tournament is just, it's, it's just, it was so incredible. I miss that so yeah. much. <laughs> I agree. Yeah, I, I agree with you. I think that uh, you're right. The big, the NCAA gets so big and it gets so structured that a lot of that fun is taken out of it. Amazing, right? Shocker there. (laughs) And that the NCAA touches it. And then, um, but anyway, so you're right. And I, uh, that'll always be super, super special. And, you know, I thought when we left the Big East that we could never have anything close to that but the big 12 uh tournament and at kansas city the way that it runs uh it's super you know they, they've done a fantastic job with that so that's that's been good and i'm less bummed out about the big east thing because the big east isn't what it was in other words like if, if all the schools were still in that old big east and you'd see that event taking place each year you'd, your heart would hurt i think but since it's not like that anymore um, it it was more uh, more digestible. That's that's a great point. That is a great point. We might we to get a Big Twelve tournament this year. It might be the last. Might one. be the last one. Yep. <laughs> well, listen, Tony. We we generally just so much appreciate you jumping on with us. We could literally talk to you for hours and hours and hours. And 
you know, I, I kind of gave a hugs a speech at the end of our interview because we were so excited, but we, we were really, really excited to get you on. I mean, we tell people this all the time when you're the voice of the Mountaineers, you're the voice of the state. Uh, you're, you're the most recognizable voice in, in the entire state. I'm sure you know all this, but I, I, I would be remiss not to, not to let you know. When I was in school up there years ago, I had a stadium, you know, kind of like a 3d stadium. Somebody got me as a present. You probably don't remember this, but, uh, so this would have been probably 99, 2000, something like that. So, um, went to that, one of those fan days that Rich Rod, he was, I think he was the first one, wasn't he, Tony? First one to institute that fan day. Yes. Yeah. So, yes. you know, went there and had the stadium. I thought this would be cool. I'll just have everyone sign it. Well, Tony was there and I said, Hey, I want you to sign the top of the press box. <laughs> and I don't know if you remember that at the time you looked at me and you said, what now? <laughs> I said, that, I thought it'd be really unique for you to sign this. And that's your press box. Yeah. And you said, well, I'll do it, I guess. So <laughs> it's still sitting here as we, as we record this podcast, 20 some odd years later here, there it sets with, with Caridi's autograph. So, it was very nostalgic, you know, it was now just to bring you on and, and talk to you. And we really hope we can convince you to come on down the road as well. Well, yeah, you, you got a deal. It's, uh, it's been fun, guys. I do appreciate it. I wish you the, uh, wish you the best of luck on, uh, on that. I'll tell Hugs that I have, uh, that I followed him on this podcast, <laughs> which means that he, which means that he was the JV game and I was the first. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Uh, yeah, he'll get a kick out of that. All right, Tony. Well, listen, have a great day. We we really appreciate it. We'll talk to you soon. All right. Stay well. Thanks, guys. Thanks. Thanks. This episode of Mojax brought to you tonight by Gino's Pizza and Spaghetti of South Charleston, home of the $9.99 Big Cheesy, and now featuring the Mojax, a delicious barbecue or buffalo chicken pinwheel. Mm-hmm.